0: Welcome into tonight, and it's our final episode of this season. And so we're going to th- wrap up high school football, talk some college action. The bowl games are out there in front of us. And um, just kind of a, a sobering weekend, if you will, as we're located, of course, here in Picune recording, and out of Pearl River County and follow the Popperville Hornets each and every week. And uh, just kind of a tough Saturday. Um, that's hard to say when you make it as far as – Picayune and Popperville did. But it was a tough day on Saturday football-wise in the state championships up at the Rock. But we'll go down all the classifications, Jeff. Uh, We're listened to across the state. So I think it's important that we tip our cap uh, to the winner in each classification. A lot of these guys, uh, win or lose, the coaching staff have been on the show. So let's get right into it. 6A, Oxford takes a game over Oak Grove. Oak Grove was leading that ball game twenty one to three. Jeff, I know you and Jason were there um for the majority of that ball game. Me and my little man uh went to get some rest and honestly I thought leaving the ballpark left at half, I thought that Oak Grove had it pretty well wrapped up. It was that dominant of half for Oak Grove, I just didn't envision Oxford coming back and doing what they did there in the second half to take the 6A state title.
1: Yep, I had my little man, I say little man, <laughs> I had my 13-year-old son with me this weekend, too, and we got to watch uh, watch that game in two quality ball clubs in Oak Grove and Oxford. And it come down uh, to, you know, should I kick a field goal, should I go for it? Twice, I think. Should I kick a field goal or should I go for it? Oak Grove decided to go for it. Uh, Oxford turned them away the 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 reality of it is if they maybe would have kicked one of the two field goals it could have been a little closer but hey when you're playing for a state championship you leave it all on the field and and that and that's exactly what happened but uh, tough tough break for Oak Grove Uh, left maybe like I said maybe left some points on the field Uh, with that and and that's something that they'll work on and talk about of course as they started this past Monday getting ready for the 2020 season Uh, state championships is over so uh, congratulations to Oxford winning that game uh, but just a tough matchup and two quality ball clubs in that 6 eight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The program from O'Gro's been good to us, of course. And uh, the coordinator, a guy that uh, – a Picayune guy and Russell Mitchell, offensive coordinator, had his group ready to rock and roll, really moved the ball yep. uh, well there in the first half. Moved it well in the second half as well. But Pagese, the guy, Jeremiah Pagese from Oxford, 6-3. 285, Jeff, and when I left, I was thinking, man, I don't know. Like, they were giving him the ball in the backfield, and I was thinking, eh, that was a lot of hype, but he's turned the ball over, put it on the ground. Didn't look great running the football, uh, but he certainly played much better for Oxford in the second half, and all that he was billed to be and and didn't play well in the first half, he erased all that in the second half as I was able to listen to the broadcast there in the second half. He played a totally different game in the second half.
1: Yeah, he just he, – he was kind of uh, – I guess they were kind of – filling out the first half, so to speak, and, and what role he would play. But when he come out, out of the locker room, he was a totally different animal. They fed the ball to him. Uh, they used him in any way, form, or fashion that you could to get the win, and, and then Oxford did come out with it.
0: Yep, a couple of those big stops that you referred to, um, he was in on and um, certainly played Key piece. Let's step down and the other. That was the nightcap on Friday night. That 6A ball game was Saturday night's uh, nightcap was the 5A ball c- game. Picune versus West Point, and West Point able to take a 12 point win and that one and what a great ball game. Both of these nightcaps, there were some games that were runaways in these state championships. Neither of the nightcaps were, right. were very good ball games, closely contested. Certainly the case with West Point, and that, they're just dominant. They've won four in a row for a reason. Uh, they looked the part when they come out the locker room, just waves of guys. Uh, Jeff just size. Really, when we laid our eyes on Pickune earlier in the year against Popperville, I said, if this group doesn't win a 5A state championship, I don't really know what I'm looking at. And maybe that was the case. Maybe I didn't know what I was looking at because uh, West Point with their depth The starting 11 for Picayune and their starting 11, real similar, but they just have waves of guys. I know I keep saying that, but that's the impression they left on me is that Picayune had some real dudes, but West Point had more of them.
1: Yeah, and you know me, people that know me around, I'm a gambling man. I like to to, uh, play the games, and I would have lost everything I had on that game right there. Picking, uh, I mean, I would have had Picayune all the way, seeing them like we did earlier against Picayune, and then I, I'll be the first to say that I would have never thought somebody like West Point or just period in this state would have come and brought it to Picayune like they did Saturday night, and and it's no slack against picking. I'm talking about West Point come out and played and just basically come out from the get-go and punched them right in the mouth with you are talking about the waves of people they had. Now, I thought the game was going to shift a little bit there. In the first half, picking down two scores, Cameron Thomas' big touchdown run come right in front of me. Uh, you know, we were sitting right there at the end zone, standing on the field, and scored, made it one score, and then the very next play, Pick six brings it back in, down 21-20 at half. And I said, man, this is a ball game. And then West Point just piled it on the second half.
0: They really did. Had the opportunity uh, to be able to call it from the pickune sideline. Got to work with uh, the MPB uh, crew and uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I appreciate uh, Jay White and Jake Wimberly and those guys for that opportunity. And just being on that sideline, I'm like you, Jeff. Pickune comes out the opening drive and puts together a patented right. Picune drive. Jams it right down their throat. A ton of plays, ton of time off the clock, and it ends in a Cameron Thomas <laughs> touchdown. I mean, that's t- prototypical Picune football. And then West Point gets it, and they respond with a West Point drive. And I said, boy, here's two heavyweights, and we're getting right into it. But then West Point really figured Picayune out, uh, stalled them uh, a few times, and got that big lead that you were talking about, that two-score lead. And when I say big, in that kind of ground control, limited possession ball game, it felt big when they were up uh, 14, and Picayune tried to erase it quickly with those two plays that you describe, And then when you come out of the break, I think West Point's depth really played a part. It's a cool evening. It's late in the year, yes, and people are thinking depth. Well, yeah, depth, because Picayune plays a lot of their guys, particularly Reed, Mickle, and Turnage. A lot. Then they're asked to put helmet on helmet each and every play. And I think it just wore on them the waves of guys that West Point was able to bring. And Coach Hamlet, that's what he's built on. You heard him post game say enjoy it i heard him say enjoy it guys and he was talking directly to his guys because we'll be back in the weight room come monday and i just saw actually earlier today they posted a picture i believe they have 11 golden balls up there and they had them sitting on their weight benches in their weight room displayed and and i thought that's a pretty good picture of what that program's about so um soft Panola in this state that's kind of sacred right. territory to even talk about but West Point knocking on that door right now.
1: You know and and as we were standing on the field you were covering it for the Mississippi uh public broadcast there and, and a great job uh what you did and people you know they asked you to do it and Uh, You kind of got with me and said, hey, what you think? And I'm like, hey, go for it. Uh, You're you're representing us as far as the podcast, too, and and, and you're out there doing it. But standing on the sideline, me and my son, Jason Baker, Seth Smith, new head coach of uh, Pearl Community College, we were standing down there, and I said – and we all kind of looked at each other and I said, hey, guys, uh, West Point gets the ball to start the second half. This drive is going to be what determines the ball game. And what West Point do – Typical West Point fashion goes down there and puts it on, in the end zone. So, uh, hats off to uh, Pick They haven't been in really a fight, I don't think, till maybe the Gulfport game. If you go back, and look, they were kind of down or right there at half, and then pulled away the second half. But uh, what a what a way! And I know Coach Dodd Lee wanted to go out with the gold football, uh, the golden football, and I know his players wanted to give it to him. But hey, fourteen and one. What a way to end the season and in a uh, historic and a, and, a, and a career here at PICU. Absolutely. And then, of course, uh, moving down
0: to 4A, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here uh, just because Corinth was so dominant. Right. There's not a whole lot to talk about other than their dominance, the way Sheffield at the quarterback position played. their two linebackers, I thought. Uh, played phenomenal against Popperville's offense. But we'll spend some time here, tip our cap to Coach Lowry. He was on the show the the week of this ball game, how well prepared they were, how certainly well they played offensively. But uh, we follow Popperville each and every week. And so to play in three of the last four of these, Jay, uh, Jay Beach and his staff certainly need to be commended. Uh, the job that they do week in, week out, getting this team uh, prepared to play and just really can't say enough Jeff about the way that they get their guys to lock in and perform and I think it says enough three of the last four South State champions uh, right there in Popperville
1: yeah and and you mentioned three of the last four South State three of the last four years playing for the title uh, whether it be in Starkville like it was uh, three years ago or back-to-back years like it has been in in Hattiesburg and 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 you know this is not really coach speech. This is just basically broadcaster speech. And, and some of the co- and coaches that have lost, as in Coach Jay Beach, as you mentioned, don't want to hear this stuff really. But there's been coaches that's coached for 20 years that's never been to one state nope. championship. Yeah, absolutely. And Coach Jay Beach, there, what, 10, 11 years going on? At Papaville's played for three of these, and he's going to get one (laughs) eventually. He is going to get one to have that program up there for three years. So there's been people, uh, you know, coached their entire careers that's never played for one. A lot to hang his hat hat on with this ball club because for the most part of the year they've been the underdogs. They've been written off not to even come out of the South. And to have a record like they did, they were written off Saturday. I underestimated Corinth. I I talked to Jason Baker, our sideline. He underestimated Corinth. Me and you talked, Mm -hmm. seeing them on film, Corinth was the real deal. Their line, man, they have just, they were the, and I'll put it this way they were the better team, fittest team, ready to play Saturday. And that's all it is to it. Poperville did everything they could do. Corinth just did it a little better and that was it and they won the and they won the uh the championship hats off to uh Corinth with the four a state championship
0: absolutely and just one more point before we move to three a that senior class for popperville played uh just one less than the total possible games they could have played. Just let that sink in just that one year where they were beat in the hornet bowl um over in, in Popperville against East Central, but every other year they made it to the last possible game. That says a mouthful about that senior class. Let's look at 3A. Jeff Davis wins it. Coach Mancuso and that group. Coach Mancuso, we talked about the start that uh, Popperville got off to. They win the title, and really, some people didn't think that was going to happen. Right. They win it with a 10 and 6 record does Coach Mancuso. And at uh, Jeff Davis Club, we had Coach Mancuso on this show just a couple of weeks ago. So tip our cap to him and, and the way that he gets his teams to perform. Coach Mancuso now with eight state championships to to his um, resume, which is quite impressive.
1: Yep, and they, and Jeff Davis County, for people that might be under a rock, what they did was they took Bassfield and Prentice, put them together, made one county school with Jeff Davis – And uh, Coach Mancuso, Clay, there's a lot of job openings here in the coast and this south region with coaches, and he's going to be one that they're going to come talk to. Uh, It's his eighth state championship. Uh, Seen an interview that the TV side did with him on Twitter. I think he lost his father earlier this year, and they were talking to him about that. And, and, you know, of course, a man of that stature, just a, a good old country Blue collar man out there coaching a, a ball club, a ball club, you uh, know, kind of tears fills his eyes, talking about how special this group is uh, to be where they are and faced a tough Columbia team in that South State, but then goes to state and wins the uh, 3A state championship.
0: Yep, uh, Coach Mancuso, a guy that I actually believe graduated from Pearl River Central, and Mr. Wayne, uh, his father that you're referencing, actually worked at a local gym here at the Cornerstone. He would make sure that you were ready uh, to get going. So, Uh, A neat story, and you mentioned, and people are maybe thinking out there, well, is he leaving Jeff Davis? We don't know that, but we know that he's at a 3A, and when these 6A, 5A, and 4A jobs come open, sometimes that's where they go and look is who's having uh, success on these lower classifications. So that's an interesting uh, point to keep an eye on. Let's look at Taylorsville. They win another state title at the 2A level coach evans and then the keys kids that he has up there uh... mister football uh... back there's his signal caller uh... as a keys and jeff they just continue to do what they do we had him on the show a year ago and uh they're just dominant at the two a level no no other way to say it
1: yeah, just an explosive and a and a dominant performance is the tartars of taylorsville uh you know and when you can run a string together and people's like oh, that's just two a Let me tell you what that's some big boys on two a uh they might not have the number of the pop- the the popular uh the popularity number or the the population number, so to speak uh for that program or for the whole school district but what they do have is is tremendous and 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 you can't say enough about taylorsville 2a state championships that's just a just a big group of kids. was able to listen to some on the radio wasn't able to uh to get there and watch that game but man what a job taylorsville done
0: absolutely and then at the 1a level nana wyatt is over lumberton lumberton uh we had coach evans on the prior week and uh I think it's safe to say we record from the south end, so we're always uh, maybe a little bit more endeared to the south teams. But uh, that wasn't the case as Nana Wyatt able to to win that 1A state title. They yep, did it in big fashion. Yeah, they
1: really did. Was pulling for Lumberton, of course. I think it as far as South versus North, there were two and four on the weekend. And of course, uh, of course we was always pulling for Popville. Of course we called for them on Friday nights. And like I said, I would have lost everything, including the shirt on my back with the pick you West point game. Uh, you know, the Oxford Oak Grove was a, uh, was a toss up for me and I, I would have picked Lumberton in that nine Hawaii game too. And, uh, just a tough break right there for Lumberton, but you just got to tip your hat. Like I said, it's a 1A state championship. No matter how it's done, you win the championship.
0: Absolutely. And, Jeff, now let's look uh, to college football, the bowl's local to us, and then um, the championship pitcher as well. You've got it laid out in front of you there.
1: Yeah, of course, Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss gets an opponent that they know very well. <laughs> I say they're going to renew kind of a rivalry here in the bowl game. Uh, Southern Miss will play Tulane in the Armed Forces Bowl at Fort Worth, Texas on January the 4th. And it's an early start, 10.30 a.m. over at Fort Worth, Texas. For the Armed Forces Bowl and Clave, you see my numbers. I was talking about I'm a gambler man. They got two lane favorite right now as a six and a half point favorite uh, with the over and under at 57 and a half. If I was going to bet on the line right now, I'd take Southern Miss with a six and a half point uh, cushion there to play with.
0: Yeah, I think the thing will be is which Southern Miss club right. shows up. Uh, especially offensively. And so that will be an interesting ball game, that rivalry that you talk about, the battle uh, for the bell, And uh, Southern Miss owns the bell right now, and there was a lot of talk on Twitter. Actually, the two ADs That's going right. back and forth about a little trash talk. So that was fun to see. And so I like this matchup that it does have some history to it, and it should be fun to watch. I hope for Southern Miss' sake – Uh, that that team that showed up for about a two- or three-week stretch there where we played really good football is the team that will make its way over to Fort Worth.
1: You know, one thing about Southern Miss, too, I'd like to say a thank you to the quarterback, Jack Abraham, stopping by, took a photo with your son, took a photo with my son there at the Oak Grove-Oxford game, and actually my son kind of conversed a little bit, talking about quarterback play with him. Uh, You know, just a nice uh, – and I say kid, I mean – Clay, I'm pushing forty, so or I am forty, so I can say or I'm gonna say young man uh, in Jack Abraham. Just a thank you to him, just to, taking time. He didn't have to do that, uh, taking pictures and talking uh, to the kids for us uh, Friday night. Next Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State's gonna play Louisville. Um, Music City Bowl, Nashville, Tennessee, December the 30th, uh, 3 p.m. on ESPN. They got Mississippi State uh, three and a half point favorite right now over the Cardinals. Yeah,
0: I think it's almost in one of these schools' contracts where they're going to meet up in some type of postseason play, whether it be football, (laughs) baseball, or basketball. Somehow they always seem to find each other in postseason play. And so it'll be interesting to see how Coach Moorhead gets his team and state focused after uh, what took place at the Egg Bowl and a lot of rumors about his his job, really. And so it'll be interesting uh, in bowl season, like who's – There, who's present and ready to play, and we'll see in this Music City Bowl.
1: Yep, and we always see at this time of the year that players that are going to go into the draft or, so to speak, going to skip the bowl and do that. So it'll be interesting to see what state club uh, shows up right there at the Music City Bowl. Uh, Next, the Final Four, Uh, we get to the playoffs and we got no Alabama in it this year. So there's no Alabama for the first time ever that this Final Four or this playoff scenario has been uh, acquired besides the BCS. LSU is going to play Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. That'll be uh, December the 28th at 3 o'clock on ESPN, and they got LSU opened up with a 12-and-a-half point favorite over Jalen Hurts and the Oklahoma Sooners.
0: Wow, that's a big number, but watching LSU of late, how could you argue uh, the offense that Joe Burrow and that Brady has kind of designed there? It's it's tough to argue. He's got the weapons. He's – I guess, going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, that would be – you're talking about gambling. That would be my bet that that he would win that. And it's weird to say the only question to me kind of is LSU's defense. Who would have ever thought uh, that that would be? But uh, that's a strong number, 12-and-a-half in this type of ball game. And I'm sure Oklahoma's going to look at that and kind of wonder like, well, uh, it's a challenge, but that's going to be, uh, I think, LSU's – favored and and for good reason
1: yep and you talk about the Heisman watch Joe Burrow for Oklahoma Jalen Hurts uh I mean Joe Burrow from LSU Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma and there's two from Ohio State that got invited to New York and if I'm not mistaken three out of the four maybe four out of the four are all transfer kids they didn't start with that program so that's crazy Hmm. to speak you know to talk about the Heisman watch and then the next uh playoff uh matchup will be uh clemson and ohio state clemson the three seed ohio state the two seed that's in the fiesta bowl uh december the 28th same day lsu plays at three clemson ohio state plays at seven and they've got clemson opened up at a two and a half point favorite over the number two ranked team ohio state
0: i'm making a face across from you because i don't follow it as close as you do looking at the numbers but i would have figured that ohio state would be the favorite in that ball game uh clemson the way that they've taken care of people all year long and the way Ohio State's run through their schedule. I kind of like Ohio State uh, to win that one and then to see – lsu and ohio state in a potential national championship game
1: yep and then the potential national championship it all falls january the 13th that monday night in mercedes uh Bend superdome right here in new orleans and the matchup that i know people around this area wants to see they want to see lsu in it because that place will be rocking at the superdome uh in louisiana so uh lsu and i'm picking lsu and ohio state as you think that's what i think uh but that's going to be a big game uh january 13th
0: yep should be a lot of fun jeff and speaking of a lot of fun next we will have an interview with legendary mississippi sports writer rick cleveland we'll dive in to the old miss hire of lane kiffin and and just kind of talk sports around our state we appreciate You tuning in tonight. We appreciate you listening all season long. After tonight, we're going to take a brief break, but we'll return. It's probably be about six or seven weeks that we'll take off here, regroup, but we will be back in the spring season. So thank you for listening, and we
1: appreciate you all. Ramey's Marketplace is a family tradition starting back in the early 1950s. Ramey seeks to give families a high-quality product at a reasonable price. Ramey's promises to provide products that exceed the freshest standards in all perishable items. Their motto is, you've got quality in the bag. Stop by and shop at Ramey's today, located at 100 Highway 11 North in Poplarville. Ramey's is the official marketplace of the Poplarville Hornets. Hey, folks, if you need that special sweet treat for birthdays, anniversaries, or just because, stop by and see our friends at Katie Cake & Company. They are located at 109 West Canal Street in Pickian. Let Katie Cake & Company satisfy your sweet tooth. Shh, your scale will never have to know.
0: We're privileged now to be joined by legendary Mississippi sports writer Rick Cleveland. And, Rick, thanks for letting us steal some of your uh, golf time to join the podcast this evening.
2: Oh, I'm glad, to.
0: Rick, the reason we wanted to reach out to you, of course, we always love to have you on, but um, the Lane Kiffin hiring at old Miss and kind of how we got uh, to this point, the Egg Bowl and the end of that ball game in some ways seems like forever ago, uh, but that penalty at the end of that thing with the crazy celebration and then what has taken place since, um, the Egg Bowl always has some crazy turns in it, but this is – one of the strangest things you've seen, or kind of par for the course with that rivalry.
2: Uh, it's it's no, this is a birdie even for that rivalry. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, far both depending on which way you want to look at it. It's definitely not par for the course. It was uh, it was just crazy. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think if uh, if if the penalty hadn't if the kid hadn't done what he did. Uh I think Matt Luke would still be the coach, whether he won or lost the game hmm. and uh, and and all this other stuff wouldn't happen. It's just crazy I, I was standing with with one of the uh and i I'm not gonna he wasn't talking for the record, so I'm not gonna say who it was but I was standing in the end zone down there where it happened with uh with one of old misses all time. Great players watching the end of the game, and he said
1: that when it happened,
2: he said that's the only thing that could have cost Matt his job, and and it, yeah, I think it did. Wow. I think if they if, certainly if they win the game, he keeps his job, and then if they, you know, if they lose uh, in overtime, and it's you know, and it doesn't end with that that happening, I, I just think it cost him his job.
0: Yeah, just such a wild turn of events there. And, and Rick, I know you did a column on um, on Luke and, and the job that he did there. But now looking at the hire that Ole Miss got in Kiffin, he really did a, a good enough job or better than that to make this job attractive to be able to – regardless wow. of what we think about Lane Kiffin, he was certainly hot, hotly pursued this offseason.
2: Yeah, and, and – he said it himself. That uh, I mean, he actually uh, said that Matt did a great job with what he had to work with for his uh, one season as the interim coach and two seasons as a head coach, and that the the, uh, the amount of young talent in the program is what made the job so attractive to him. And they do. I, I you know I, I think all the best players. Particularly the skill position players, all of Ole Miss's best players are freshmen and sophomores. Uh, they've, they've got a lot of lot of skill now. Then he's got a lot of work to do to build up both the offensive and defensive lines. I think, but uh, skill skill position wise, they're in great shape.
1: You know, we're, once again, we're visiting with Rick Cleveland, legendary sports writer here, and. In- uh, the state of Mississippi covers uh, sports a variety of range here on the pit lane oil change hotline. And, Rick, you talk about Luke, and then we seen where they went with Kiffin. How difficult of a decision was it for the athletic director or the school to get – because Luke took them through a dark period. It, it was a period where uh, the sanctions come down and they couldn't go to bowls and scholarships were revoked and all the whatever was going around uh, there at Oxford. Luke brought him through that, and then once that period was over, you know, win or loss at the Egg Bowl, now they go away from Luke and then pursue uh, another head coach.
2: Well, you know, the reason it surprised me, uh, the reason the the move to to fire Matt surprised me, is because, Carter Keith Carter, the athletic director, had come out so strongly. Uh, that he's our guy and we're behind him, you know, just a, what four or five days mm-hmm. before the game, uh, and then, you know, I, I, the one that I thought might lose his job was Moorhead, Joe Moorhead, mm-hmm. and uh, I really think the the win did save his job. I don't, I, I, I honestly don't think Joe would still be the coach at Mississippi State had Ole Miss won the game. Um but it's it's, it's it's amazing uh you know, how much that that the result of the egg bowl has affected uh the jobs job security of the coaches in it through the years. I mean going going way, way back. It has always meant a lot. I've seen a I've seen a lot of coaches save their jobs and I've seen a lot of coaches lose their jobs because of the result of that game.
0: Yeah, just uh, so interesting, and the turn of events since have been uh, quite interesting, and that's one of the things I guess Athletic Director uh, Carter talked about was not enough interest. I think that was one of the things, one of his primary reasons was not enough interest around the program. Well, that certainly has changed with the hiring of Kiffin. I I really enjoyed the article you wrote on uh, which Kiffin will they get, Uh, the lightning rod or lightning in a bottle. Um, Just hearing his comments since, Rick, I mean, which way do you kind of lean on uh, which Lane Kiffin they will get?
2: Well, he's going to have to show me because, like I say, I mean, you know, and I've written it uh, a couple times, is that his his average uh, tenure in any job he's ever had has been about 2.2 years. You know, uh, sometimes – uh, he's left on his own, and sometimes he hasn't had a choice. But he's, his average length of, of being on the job as an assistant and a head coach is about 2.2 years. And uh, so, I I mean, you know, he says he's there long-term, and Keith Carter says he's our guy long-term, and, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. And- uh,
0: Go ahead. When you look at it, Rick, this winning the press conference or getting the buzz at the tarmac or having a bunch of people. I mean, I guess they had 4,000 uh, people at the pad to to announce or to welcome him in. Is, how much has all that changed, Rick, over the years?
2: Well, it's become more and more of uh, an event uh you know, we used to have a press conference where it's just the new coach and the writers and a couple of TV people, and now they make it into a fan fan event. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, and, and, it, and it's, I mean, it's fun for the fans. I guess it's good for the program. Uh, it doesn't always mean success. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been, uh, the, I remember the uh, Gertrude Ford building at uh, the theater at Old Miss, uh, it must hold, you know, 2,500, 3,000 people, and it was packed when they hired Houston Nutt, uh, mm. and, you know, that didn't end up turning <laughs> out very well. Right. I remember the being at, at Southern Miss uh, when they announced uh, Ellis Johnson, and the... Uh, <laughs> room at the Trent Lott Center was mm-hmm. packed that people were spilling out of it. They they were real excited and and he, you know, was funny and glib and you know, everybody thought it was uh everything was hunky joy and then that's the biggest disaster I've ever seen. You had mm-hmm. to bring that one up, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I, that's just the way, I mean sometimes sometimes it works out differently, mm-hmm. uh i tell you another one that was a, uh, a big deal. In fact, ESPN televised it live was when uh, Sylvester Croom was yeah. hired at Mississippi State. That's true. I mean, they, I mean it, it went live on, on national TV, to hiring, his hiring. And you know what? I guess Sylvester lasted four years, is that right? right? Four or five years, That's Yeah, right. something like that. He had some big wins, but
1: he didn't win enough, you know. Once again, we're joined by Rick Cleveland here on the Pit Lane Oil Change Hotline. And, Rick, is this – and I know you was talking about it. He had to show you – and I mean, you're a sports writer. You're going to have to write stories about – but is this Kiffin hire, is it so-called a publicity to to put butts in the seats at Oxford and bring in money to the program? Or is it a legitimate, hey, he's our guy – Five years, we're hoping to you know be back in the national race, compete with Alabama in the West, LSU in the West, and compete for the SEC ch- uh, championship.
2: Well, I think there's some of both. I mean, obviously, I mean Keith is Keith Carter has made no secret of it, the fact that they needed a shot, they needed a, they needed some enthusiasm, they needed somebody to to sell tickets and uh, get people to back to donating to the, found, the Athletic Foundation and all that. Uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, it's a, it, as I've said in my column, I think it's a very calculated risk. Uh, and uh, Keith thinks that, and and that surely the new chancellor must think also, that they'll sell enough, they'll sell more tickets and get more donations enough to at least pay for what it's costing. <laughs> because this, yeah. this is not this is not mm. cheap.
0: No, it is not.
2: They still you know, they still owe Matt uh six and a half million dollars and he earned it, you know, I mean he he, he left that place better than he found it. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh uh and then you know, they the Offensive coordinator Rodriguez, who has already been let go, had a multi-year contract for uh, seven figures. Uh, we don't know about McIntyre yet, but some of the other coaches have already been let go. Uh, <laughs> they're increasing. They're increasing the assistance pool. I think by the time all is said and done, the, the coaching change is going to cost. Uh, well into eight figures. I mean, over $10 million, certainly. Uh, and probably probably closer to $20 million. But, you know, it doesn't take that many season tickets and, and donations to make up for that. So we'll see.
0: Rick, you mentioned a calculated risk. How much do you think it helped uh, this situation, Kiffin getting hired and them making that decision to see what Coach O's doing across the state line after uh, some of his rough patches. And really, that was a risk taken over at LSU that personally I didn't think would end uh, the way or work out the way that it's working oh, out with him being a coach of the year.
2: <laughs> You're certainly not alone. I mean, I wrote a column but I'd like, really love to take that right now. I mean – you know, you people do grow. People get better at their jobs. It's not just football coaches. You know, in, in a lot of areas of life, there people do grow. I just didn't, I didn't think Ed would <laughs> would be that guy. But he has, uh, uh, you know, at Ole Miss he was like a bull in a china shop. He was micromanaging everything. He wasn't letting his coaches coach. Uh now he's surrounded himself with really good people and he's letting them coach and he's making he's making good decisions, uh like the decision to bring the passing game coordinator in from uh the Saints. That's made a, that's made all the difference in the world at LSU. Um and and he's nobody ever said the guy can't recruit and he's uh he he's actually a better fit Obviously, a better fit recruiting at LSU than he was at Ole Miss.
1: You know, and bringing that passing coordinator over very well could seal the deal for LSU's second Heisman uh, Trophy candidate with Joe Burrow as well.
2: Oh, it's a, You know, he's he's gonna win it. Uh, it'd be it'd be it'd be the biggest upset since the Thirteen Colonies. He's great would if if, <laughs> if 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 Joe Burrow doesn't win the Heisman Trophy. I'm not, I don't necessarily think that he's absolutely the best player, but he's the best player that has a chance to win the Heisman Trophy. That, that defensive end at Ohio State is as good as anybody I've seen.
0: Yeah, he's a monster. He is really good.
2: Yeah. Rick, yeah, you he should I, – I guess he's going to New York, isn't he?
1: He is. I think there's two from Ohio State, the quarterback and him. And then, of course, Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma and Joe Burrow.
2: Yeah, Hurts would be a great winner any other year. I mean, his, he, what a great story he is. And he had such a great season for uh, Oklahoma. But Joe Burrow, I mean, boy, what he's done is just amazing. And he – I mean, he, he's made himself – He's probably made himself $30 million this
0: year. Yes, he has. There's no doubt about that. Rick, when you look at it, you bring up Hurts. Hurts in the playoffs and Alabama not. How ironic is that? Yeah, it's, it's
2: it's it's amazing. It really is. Now, I'll tell you this much, if Tua hadn't gotten hurt, they'd be in
0: there too. Yep, I think I agree with that as well. Rick, man, we certainly appreciate – your time tonight, go back to watching uh, the President Cup spending time with Tyler there, but we appreciate you visiting us this evening.
2: Okay, well, y'all take care and have it, y'all have great holidays, okay?
0: Thank you, Rick. You too, sir.